Hailing from the heartland of America, atop the high bluffs of Western Iowa, comes the voice of the church. God himself blew on history so that there would be a light. A timely message, convicting words, burning with passion for righteousness and justice again. Why don't you believe in something this morning? Why don't you believe in a church? Why don't you believe in the glory of dominion that God gave us the power to build a building on a hill that stands for something in the community, that we're not afraid to stand up for what we believe in and tell the lawmakers and the rulers in this nation and every other nation in the world, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He's coming back and you better repent of your sins or you're gonna answer for them. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth not shall be damned. So what do you really believe? People that believe in Jesus Christ, that He was buried, that He was resurrected on the third day, that He's coming again, and that men will answer for every idle word and every wrong deed, that there is justice beyond the grave. That is the statement that is made when you see a church and a steeple and a cross in a community and in a nation. And God cares about this building and He cares about the churches that sprinkle the landscape of this nation. And He wants them to be filled with people that have some passion, that understand what it means to be a Christian, that aren't slobs drooling with all of their candy and their chocolate and their soda and their entertainment, wanting to hear a preacher to tell them that they're just fine the way that they are and they don't need to change and they don't need to worry about repentance. They don't need to get the sin out of their life. Those are not good preachers. And those are not legitimate churches and their buildings become an aggravation and a mocking point. And if you go to Europe today, you'll see cathedral after cathedral that were beautiful and they're empty. And if we don't get right in this nation, that's going to happen. Look around you at the sloth. Look at the empty pews. Look at the big gaps. They didn't want to hear the truth. Believe in something today. Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the sermon. Grace is uniquely given only to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every individual soul who is ever saved in our dispensation is saved because of grace flowing from a local church somewhere. The individual that witnessed to you when you were in a shopping store or the nurse that told you about Jesus when you were crying at the hospital with the death of a loved one or whatever tragedy happened, the seeds that were planted in your mind as a child that suddenly one day when you were alone legitimately all came flooding back into your mind and, and haunted you until you came to your knees and repented for the sins in your life and asked Jesus to save you and be your Lord. All of those deposits of grace came sideways. And if there were no church, there would be no salvation because there could be no access to grace on earth and you're saved by grace. The Bible says, God resists 
the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The only individual that has ever or will ever experience or receive grace from God are men and women who humble themselves. There are no exceptions. There has never been a human being since creation ever that has ever experienced the grace of God and they were proud. Let me define humility. Humility, you need this. If you don't have humility, you can't have grace. If you don't have grace, you don't have the very life of God flowing in you. And if it's by grace that you're saved and you have no grace, you're going to go to hell when you die. This is, it couldn't be more serious. So humility is required to ever go to heaven. Humility happens in your heart when other people are elevated in your heart and you decrease. When you begin to value other people in a greater way and value yourself in a lesser way, the beginning spark of humility is taking place in your heart. And what is the opposite of this? Pride. And what is pride? It is when your selfishness and your self-worth is elevated in your own mind far above everyone else, isn't it? You can't go to heaven like that. And so you see again the exact parallel between the selfless creator God, the three, and the one, I will ascend, I will do this. Because in the parallel of the fruit of the spirit of humility and the evil ugliness of pride, you see Satan elevating himself that he will ascend to the heights of God. That's pride. There's no grace. He can't be saved. And the very opposite, Jesus humbled himself and laid aside all of his glory and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he left aside all the glory and splendor of heaven to become like us, born in a stable. That was an act of divine humility showing you the pathway to grace. And because his humility was so enormous, his act of humility was so huge, and he valued you so much higher than anyone else. He was the first and only man to be the full embodiment of pure heavenly grace in one man on the earth incarnate. So deposits of grace came through Moses, but the fullness of grace and truth by Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us. Now. Ephesians chapter two, say it again, grace flows sideways. You know the only reason that any of you know Jesus Christ, the only reason anybody in this room will go to heaven is because grace flowed sideways from another person somehow, some way. They planted seeds in your heart. They preached a sermon and it got to you. You heard it on the radio. You heard it on television. And that person that preached to you, they were somehow connected into a local church that preached to them. So the local church is the source. It is the plumbing of God. It is the pipeway through which the goodness of God flows. And if it had not been for the church, you would not know Jesus Christ and you couldn't go to heaven. So never, never, never take your church for granted as the manner of some is. But seeing how the day approaches of his wrath, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. That's the context of that verse. 
You're listening to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Don't miss the conclusion of this sermon after these messages. Our country is no longer in need of a great awakening. America is in need desperately of a resurrection. Now there's a difference between a resurrection and a great awakening. In far too many American churches, the Great Commission has been reduced. The emphasis is on really getting people ready to die. But the church is not here to get people prepared to die so much as we're here to equip people and how to truly live. I've written a new book that talks about this. It's called A Storm, A Message, A Bottle. You can get a copy of the book at beyondthewallsradio.com. God bless you. Welcome back to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Now, Ephesians 2, I want you to notice every time the words we, our, us, and together are mentioned because I want you to see these passages a new way. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you hath he quickened that were dead in trespass and sins, Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world and after the prince that ruleth in the air, even the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, the selfish one. Among whom we also had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh and fulfilling the will of the flesh which is selfish and of the mind which is selfish and were by nature the children of wrath as well as others. But God which is rich in mercy through his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead by sins, has, has quickened us together. Now, now, what if I read this, and when I was dead by sins, he quickened me together with Jesus? It's not what it says. Even when we were dead, we, us, the group, when we were dead by sins, he quickened us together. That means I am given eternal life so that I can be with Jesus Christ. And that eternal life that comes to me is the direct result of others because I'm quickened together, us together with Christ. So there's something about salvation that goes sideways and has to do with other people. Even, verse 5, even when we were dead by sins, he quickened us together in Christ by whose grace you are saved. Say it with me, grace flows sideways. Verse 6, and hath raised me, no, has raised us up together, say together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that he might show in the ages to come the exceeding riches of his grace through his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast in himself. Anybody seeing that this is not selfish? Are you catching this? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has ordained that we 
together should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh and called uncircumcision of them, which are called circumcision in the flesh made with hands, that you were, I say, at that time without Christ and were aliens. Now look at this. You were alone. You were alone. You were aliens outside of the commonwealth of Israel and were strangers from the covenants of promise and had no hope and were without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye which once were afar off are made near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, which hath made of both one and hath broken down the wall of partition in abrogating through his flesh the hatred that is the law of commandments, which standeth in ordinances for to make of twain one new man in himself, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body, that's a uniplural noun, it's not your body, it's his body, and you are members of his body. Some of you are the toes of the body of Jesus. Some of you are the kneecaps and the legs and the calves and the arms and the fingers and the hair. But we are all each unique, different with varying kinds of grace, knitted together the body of Christ. This is not selfish. None of this is about just you alone. None of these glorious, beautiful things can be obtained by you alone. It is all about us together look at your neighbor and say together forever <laughs> together forever I told you that there is a plumbing system I told you there's a plumbing system and that grace flows sideways verse 17 and he came and he preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were near for through him we both have an entrance unto the Father by one spirit. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but citizens with the saints together and of the household, not bedroom, household, not your bedroom, the household of God. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, which means without the apostles and prophets, you've got no place to have your stone cemented. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Somebody, anybody ever see blocks laid? Anybody ever see a foundation built? You put the stones next to each other. Uh, the stones jointly fit together, 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 make something useful. A stone by itself could be used to kill your twin brother, perhaps, because you're jealous of him. And that's in the book of Genesis 2. But stones are only useful when they're put together, Jesus being the chief cornerstone. They're giving you pictures of the people sitting next to you, pictures. And, and how are stones stuck together in a construction project? With mortar, right? Cement, adhesive. You know what the Bible says you're stuck together with? He has joined us with the bond of peace. It literally means you're glued together by the peace of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building coupled 
together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together to be the habitation of God by the Spirit. You will not experience the greater intimacies and powers of God in this life when you're alone. You will only experience and only have the guarantee that his presence will be there when there's two or more of you gathered. You're not even allowed just to interpret that Bible without running it past people that know more than you do. Because the Bible is not subject to any private, individual, isolated, detached from the body of Christ opinion and interpretation. You're listening to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Don't miss the conclusion of this sermon after these messages. Hello everyone, it's Pastor Kerry. You know, I remember a pivotal moment in American history and I sat and I watched this drama unfold in Florida concerning Terry Schiavo, who was this woman, she had gone on an extreme diet to lose weight and had lost consciousness. And the next thing you know, a few years later, they're literally euthanizing her in a nursing home. I was horrified when I watched that happen, and it set me into a journey to discover and answer some questions that are very important, especially in the field of the political world. Should Christians, for example, simply submit to the possible consequences of decisions, or should they make decisions exclusively based upon the Word of God? Now, that sounds simple to ask that question, and people flippantly answer it, but you'll find that the answer is very clear in the Bible, and it's also very troubling to modern Christians. Very few Christians truly live out the correct answer to that question. Well, I've put together a cartoon series. It's a whiteboard project where I teach you through some steps of logic and then had an artist in the church draw out the illustrations of what I'm trying to convey. It's really a remarkable thing, and it's free. All you have to do is go to the website to enjoy it, and I'll take you down the road of the journey I went on long ago answering that important question. Should Christians make decisions in life based exclusively on what God's Word says, or should they bow down to the threat of consequences? Because you realize sometimes when you make right decisions, there are very painful consequences. And here's where you need to go. I'll give you the website twice. Stepstopoliticalepiphany.com That's Stepstopoliticalepiphany.com Please enjoy the presentation. It could really change your life. Thank you for listening and God bless. Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. And so how does grace flow? I want to show you the pipes. I want you to go with me, please, quickly to Romans chapter 10. We're going to come back to Ephesians in just a moment. Uh, I'm, I'll go ahead and write down these things. In Ephesians 2, the word to look at is together. And now we're going to go to Romans chapter 10. We'll probably begin reading around verse 13. Brethren, mine heart's desire 
and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have the zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of the righteousness of God and going about to establish their own righteousness. Oh, did you see that? You can't go about to establish your own righteousness, independent of what God is doing in the earth. No man is an island. That's so true it could determine heaven or hell. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 10, and I'm starting in verse 3. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness unto everyone that believeth. Say believeth. Now, we all know believing is important. If you want to be saved by grace, we know you have to believe. And this is all going to start coming together, this plumbing, like a jigsaw puzzle in just a minute. You're going to start understanding, well, I know I have to believe, and, and, and I need to be saved by grace, and I need to repent. So I've got these words, repent, believe, grace, eternal life. We have to connect the dots. How, how does this work? Because grace flows sideways. Go to verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is near thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. This is the word of faith which we preach. For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him up from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, man confesseth to salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between Jew and Grecian. For he that is Lord over all is rich unto all that came to him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They've said that several times, haven't they? Now watch, the plumbing is going to be assembled right in front of you. But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? But not just any preacher, because there's all kinds of preachers that won't help you. They'll tell you all kinds of things that aren't right with the Bible. And so just being a preacher isn't good enough. It has to be a certain kind of a preacher. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them, which bring glad tidings of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Now, I want to stop right there because you just saw the pipeline. I'm going to draw, draw it out for you. Um, grace flows sideways. Extra ecclesium nulla salus. Outside the church, there is no salvation. The only reason you know Jesus is because a church sent the message to you somehow. And it had to have been a, a sent preacher that started the ball rolling because this is how grace flows. There is no grace outside of the church. Now, I'm going to draw it for you. Where does grace start? Where does it come from? Jesus Christ. Now, I can't promise I'm going to draw good, but I'm going to draw this because I want you to see how the Bible teaches us. And there are many other places we could look, and we will look later, but I want you to see this. Down here, here's the individual, and they need to get saved. That individual, just pretend that that's you. You need Jesus. Jesus died for your sins, the preacher told you. Well, the pipeline here, if you want salvation, then you have to believe. Can you see that up there? You can't just believe anything. You can believe in unicorns and rainbows. That's not going to save you. You got to believe something specific. Everybody believes something. Well, the pipeline says, well, you need, you need to hear something. It's what you hear is what you believe. And then that belief channels the grace to your heart to save your soul so you don't go to hell. But now you can't just hear anything. So it has to be something specific. You have to hear something specific or else we hear things. I heard birds chirping when I got up this morning in the rain. Chirp, chirp. Well, hearing birds doesn't save anybody. So what do I need to hear? Well, he shows us that you have to hear a preacher. Now, this is the same book that says you're saved by grace. 
Now it's showing you how grace gets to you to save you. Are you following me? So you had to hear, could it just be any preacher? What about David Koresh? Could David Koresh save your soul? What about Hare Krishna? He preaches, used to, before he died. Could Hare Krishna save your soul or Buddha? What about Muhammad? There's all kinds of preachers in the world. It can't just be any kind of preacher, not to get the grace of God. That only comes from Jesus Christ, doesn't come from Muhammad, doesn't come from Buddha or Hare Krishna. This grace comes from the throne of God through Jesus Christ. And so the pipeline says, well, it has to be a sent preacher. Sent according to what? Sent according to Ephesians chapter four. And Jesus sat down on the right hand of God and he sent apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the repairing of the saints and for the work of the ministry that we all come into the fullness and unity and maturity as the body of Jesus Christ. Up here in heaven is where Jesus is sitting down and he is full of all grace and you need the grace by which you're saved that comes only through Jesus Christ. And so he sent who? He sent the plans on how to build an ark so that grace could cause you to float above the death that's brought through disobedience to the law of buoyancy. He didn't want you to sink and drown, so he gave a plan. And he sent those plans through men who have the grace to explain them. And as they preached, someone heard those plans. And then they believed those plans. And then they were individually saved by obeying those plans. What I'm showing you here is the pipeline of grace. This is the exact same way that the architectural diagram of the ark came from heaven and found its way into the preacher's life. The people that heard it and believed, which were only his family, helped construct it and build it. And they were saved because they were working in obedience to the plan of God. It is the exact same plan right now to save you. And it comes through the local church. Somebody say, grace flows sideways. Now, next week, I'm going to take you into another one of those famous passages of scripture that talks about going boldly into the throne room of grace to get grace in time of need. And I'm going to show you the side of those passages very few preachers ever talk about because what you often are led to believe and what I've heard myself is ministers read that passage and they say, God is so good that, you know, just, you know, think of any kingdom in the world, just any peasant, anybody off the street could just crash through the throne room and just go right in there to the king and say, king, I need your help. And that that king would love you so much that he would let you do that and he'd help you. And I've heard that, that analogy made. And actually just the very opposite is being said in that scripture. You can't just go crashing, storming into the gates of heaven, bust open the doors of the throne room of grace and go in there and demand that he gives you grace right now because you need it. That is not what that verse is saying. And you'll find out next week what the verse is saying and how you are given access to make it that far. Somebody say, grace flows sideways. I want you to find your way into the throne room of grace so that you can get it when you need it. And I'm gonna show you how to do it by respectfully following the protocol of the King of Kings. Can you say amen? This has been Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in.
God Himself blew on His tree so that there would be a light. Jesus Christ, that he was buried, that he was resurrected on the third day, that he's coming again, and that men will answer for every idle word and every wrong deed, that there is justice beyond the grave. That is the statement that is made when you see a church and a steeple and a cross in a community and in a nation. Believe in something today.